Good morning. It would be really helpful if you had uh, your Bibles or Bible apps open um, at that reading, Isaiah chapter 40. There are some uh, sermon points on the back of the news with translation into Korean and Dinka. Uh, if that helps you follow on and space for notes. Let's begin with prayer. Almighty Father, as you have given us your word, give us now your spirit that we may understand and live the things which we hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we conclude our Isaiah series with chapter 40 and what it means to prepare the way for the Lord. Over the last seven weeks, we've heard that Isaiah was commissioned to call the Israelites back to God and to announce to them what would happen if they didn't. But Isaiah looked more forward than just what would happen to the Israelites and Babylon. He looked forward to the time when God would send the promised Messiah. Last week, Adam focused um, on who Israel trusted and specifically who did King Hezekiah trust in the face of the Assyrian threat. Would Hezekiah place his trust in the Lord? Would he trust in the Egyptians with their horses and chariots? Or the Babylonians with their might and strength? Or would they trust in their own ability to defend Jerusalem? Chapter 39 finish, finishes with this warning from Isaiah to King Hezekiah. Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood who would be born to you, will be taken away. And they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Hezekiah places his trust in the Babylonians, or at least allows them to deal with the Assyrian threat, because he believes that this will gain him peace and security in his time. Well, that may have come to pass, but the Lord's judgment will reach its climax with the fall of Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonians and the exile of God's people, at least a remnant of them, to Babylon. From this chapter, Isaiah's message shifts dramatically. He's no longer speaking about the impending judgment. He now speaks of God's compassion and kindness to his people in exile. We get a glimpse of life in Babylon through the book of Daniel. Life was extremely challenging for them. It was challenging just to survive and even more so to keep faithful to God. So these are the first words for them as they are in exile. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. 
the Lord has heard the cries of his people. They have paid the price for their rebelliousness and he is ready to call them his people once more. As the people wait for the dark days of exile to end, Isaiah delivers a message of comfort to God's people. The everlasting God and creator of all is inviting the people to lift their eyes to him as the source of comfort, power and mercy. We see that this comfort that God offered was real. The covenant that God made with their ancestors at Sinai still stands. The penalty for their sins has been paid in full. God would bring them home and God's word is reliable. The last couple of years has been extremely challenging for everyone. In Australia, many people have been seriously affected by coronavirus, but also natural disasters. People have suffered physically, emotionally, mentally and financially. Just as God offered comfort to those exiled in Babylon, God offers us comfort in his son Jesus. We're reminded of these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the good news is that God offered more than comfort. He offered that to the people of Israel as well as to us today. For he offered a way for the Israelites to be reconciled to God and return to Jerusalem. And Isaiah looks forward to God reconciling humanity with himself once and for all. Through this pivotal chapter, we see that we are called to prepare a way for the Lord. God makes the definitive way for us, and we are called to respond by proclaiming the good news boldly. So Isaiah continues in verse 3. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The people are urged to make preparations for the Lord to come. He is about to rescue them from exile just as the Israelites are rescued from slavery in Egypt. How can they be prepared? How can they make a straight highway in the desert? A few years ago when I went to Nepal and trekked to Everest Base Camp, I experienced valleys and mountains and rough ground and rugged places in a whole new way. The itinerary looked fairly simple, each day climbing a few hundred metres, but the trail winds its way up and down and up and down and up again as it travels up the valley but also traverses the river that's at the bottom of the valley. Sometimes you could see your destination just across the valley, 
but you knew there was still plenty of kilometres to walk. But Isaiah's not talking about a geographical barrier between the people and God. He's talking about sin. And so the way to prepare a way for the Lord is to set aside all those things that are a barrier between us and God, be it other gods, idols, pride or selfishness. And Isaiah is not just talking about the return of the exiles. Isaiah looks forward to God's fulfilment of his promises in the coming of the Messiah. That is why Mark refers to John the Baptist as the messenger who cries out in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John the Baptist urged people to prepare for the Messiah's coming by repenting and being baptised. However, there's a clear indication as we read verses 6 and 7 that we cannot prepare the way for the Lord on our own. All people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. As much as we try, our faithfulness can be like the flowers of the field, flourishing one moment and gone the next. We need God's help with this. After all, who else could raise every valley, flatten every mountain and hill, and level all the rough places and rugged ground? Ultimately, God makes the way. Isaiah's message is for the exiled Israelites. Ezekiel brings a similar message about God preparing the way for their return. So we see this in Ezekiel chapter 11. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered and I will give you back the land of Israel again. But God would do more than just rescue them from the Babylonians. He will do a work on their hearts. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Faithfulness is not something we do on our own, but it's a gift from God. Isaiah also reveals how the Israelites will be rescued and how they can return to Jerusalem in chapter 45. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armour, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. It was God's servant, Cyrus, who would enable the Israelites to return to Jerusalem, even though he was a Gentile. It was God who would level the mountains, who would enable Cyrus to defeat the Babylonians, who would prompt Cyrus to release the Israelites. Again, we see how Isaiah's message looks forward beyond the exiled Israelites. It would be God's anointed son, Jesus, the Messiah, who would deal decisively with what really separates us from God, 
sin and death. It would be Jesus who would make a way, the way, for us to be forgiven and reconciled. As Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I wonder if you feel far away from God as the Israelites felt in Babylon. Sometimes we can feel that God has abandoned us, that we are all alone. Sometimes we can feel that the distance between us and God is just too far. Sometimes we feel that we're just not worthy of God's love and grace. The good news is that God loves us and desires so much a relationship with us. Just as God did everything necessary to bring the Israelites home to Jerusalem, God has done everything necessary in Jesus to bring us home to him. This is such good news for the Israelites that it cannot and must not be contained. It must be shouted confidently and fearlessly from the mountaintops. We see that in verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. The message is first for Jerusalem, which means the Israelites exiled in Babylon, and then the people remaining in the towns of Judah. The Lord and his people are about to return. We then see how that's going to take place in verses 10 and 11. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The Lord will come with the strength of a warrior and no enemy will be able to resist him. But he comes also with the tenderness of a shepherd for the weak will not be left behind. He will bring gifts that will make the sufferings of the exile vanish like a forgotten dream. What news is this? It is in many ways the forerunner of the New Testament gospel, just as John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus himself. Centuries later, the gospel writers could find no better way of describing John's ministry than to say it was the fulfilment of these verses. Jesus did come with the strength of a warrior and the tenderness of a shepherd. But his victory over sin and death was not achieved in a great battle, but in a shameful death on the cross, followed by his resurrection three days later. Just as the shepherds told everyone about the birth of Jesus and what they had seen and heard, we who have known the love and grace of God in his Son are called to do the same, to boldly and fearlessly tell others about the good news. Now, we don't have to climb a mountain to tell others about Jesus, and we don't really need to shout at them. 
we can tell others on our front lines about the difference Jesus has made to us. And we can invite them to take a next step. So we prepare a way for the Lord. The Lord makes the way for us in Jesus. And we are called to shout the good news on our front lines. And if you have any doubts about God's ability to deliver on these promises, the rest of chapter 40 reads like the perfect resume. It tells us about God's power and wisdom. I just want to share a few verses with you. Verse 12, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Verse 13, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Verse 26, he who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each one of them by name, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. We can absolutely trust in the promises of God. And when it's hardest to do that, when you're feeling tired or weighed down, when you're feeling alone or distant from God, when hope has evaporated and you need comfort and encouragement, Look especially to these final verses of this chapter. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message of comfort and hope. We thank you that in your great kindness and mercy, you rescued us from our sin in Jesus. And we thank you that these messages to Israel also talk to us about God's grace, love and forgiveness. And as we receive those things, as we receive God's love and grace and forgiveness in our lives, help us to be emboldened to share the good news on our front lines. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.